Guardians, Rocco Baldelli, when he addressed his team, had this to say. Who's got it better than us? No way! Very fair assessment after you go Barbara Walters on the bit. 2020, 20 hits and 20 runs. Break up the twins as Aaron Gleeman joins a 9 to noon in studio at Aaron Gleeman via Twitter. Writes about the twins and uh, baseball at uh, The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. Uh, 2020, man. Uh, they're six up on the Guardians now. Break up the Twins with those bats last night. Holy cow! And good morning. It was amazing. I also, I don't think I've ever seen a position player come in for the sixth inning to pitch like that. Is <laughs> like I'm not. I'm. No, you're right. I think the the novelty of position players pitching is kind of worn off, at least for me. Yeah. It, it, because partly because we've just seen so much of it, and partly because. Now guys are just lobbing the ball up there. When uh, Going back like three, four years when it started and teams were like, why waste a reliever? We'll put in a position. But they were at least throwing 75, 80. Yeah. And now guys are just chucking it up there 50, 60, 38, Willie Castro. But I've never seen a guy eat four mm. innings like that. And right. honestly, it could have been worse. Like they could have scored 25. Yep. I mean, they didn't, they didn't do that well relative to position players, especially a guy out there for his fourth inning. But, you know, that I... I I kind of think that's embarrassing, like from the Guardians' standpoint. I yep. get what they were trying to do. Why yep. were the game's over? Why waste bullets in the bullpen? Right. But the but, sixth inning is a little much to me. But. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's unprecedented. It I makes like, a little bit of a mockery of the whole thing. I, 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 how many did they have at the time? Eighteen? No, sixteen. Maybe when, yeah, fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, it was right maybe. around there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's the it's the pick your poison, big cliche as it is. Do do. I mean, I'm I'm about to be six back. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've, I've even credited Cleveland a little bit on, on Twitter for being game. They just, they just keep buying in the Tampa Bay series, yeah. you know, it's not, they, they, they were game. They just were gritty in the way they were finding ways to maximize what they have and scratch out what they possibly can to stay as close as they can. And, and then the 2020 bit. So it's the pick your poison. You know, it's, we have two left with them. We have to win them both. And we have to have relatively fresh arms. So, oh, we'd be in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. you see, right. what, you see what I'm saying. I get it. It's just so the other side six inning though. I feel like there's like a there's a or there there was sort of a gentleman's agreement. That's like, mm-hmm. yeah, there are games that are over by the third inning. There are games that are over in the first inning. Yeah, you know, team scores six seven runs in the first. But there's been sort of an agreement or an unsaid agreement between teams that it, like we're not just gonna like literally forfeit. We're not just going to have a position player make a complete mockery of this. And, you know, the sixth inning is kind of uh, borderline, I would say. Eighth and ninth, I would have no problem with it. And then, obviously, the game was so out of hand at 20 to whatever it was before Willie Castro came in that the Twins actually brought a position player in, which is very rare to see a position player for a winning team. 
because there's risk there. There's no risk for a position player coming in to pitch for a losing team because all you're going to do is lose by more. But a winning team, even if they're up by 10, 12, 14 runs, there's always that shred of doubt like, oh, what happens if he just can't get any outs and he just gives up 10 runs and we got to warm up the actual reliever and all that. And Willie Castro did a good enough job to avoid that. But I don't know. I'm uh, I'm over the position players pitching thing. But I get why Cleveland did it. I just think, why don't all teams do that? When you fall behind five, why don't all teams just not throw their pitchers because there's sort of a gentleman's agreement that like we're going to put forth a minimum effort. You know, it's like football teams don't kneel down if they're up if you're up 40 nothing at halftime mm-hmm. in football. Yeah. You don't literally just kneel down every possession. You or just run every play. Right. I mean, you at least yeah. hand the ball off, you yep. throw a little short pass once in a while. You give yep. you give minimal effort, but you do give an effort. And I just think what we saw from uh from Cleveland and Francona yesterday was a little bit I don't know, a little bit borderline, but ultimately, whatever. The big story was Royce Lewis with another grand slam. The Unbelievable. Twins just, you know, knocked around Giolito, who's an actual pitcher, uh, or at least was an actual yep. pitcher, uh, and got to him. And now the Twins, like you just said, are really in position where if you win one of these next two, they play tonight and then tomorrow afternoon, mm-hmm. if you win one of these next two, it's it's basically over. The yeah. division is basically over. I mean, Cleveland is in a spot where they cannot give up any more ground. They realistically kind of needed a sweep here yeah. uh, to really have a decent chance. So, yeah, that's where the Twins are. The Twins have been in a similar spot. I mean, they were just at home against Cleveland about a week ago, and it was a similar spot. You win one of the last two, you're in really good shape. They didn't do it. So I, I'm the fact that they scored 20 last night doesn't really mean anything for today. Yeah. Uh, and like you know, like you said, Cleveland's got fresh bullpen. They're going to probably be motivated because I'm sure that didn't feel good what happened to them yesterday. But the Twins, all they got to do is win one of the next two with Sonny Gray on the mound and Joe Ryan on the mound. Uh, Techie is um, is Royce Lewis capturing the imagination of the nation? Uh, if he's not, he should be. I mean, five home runs, 19 RBI, the last eight games. MLB Network, ESPN, or whatever. Maybe it's it's quelled over the weekend. Shohei, Shohei, Shohei. Atlanta, three of four at Chavez Ravine. Atlanta, three of four at Chavez Ravine. Cool. I mean, those are great big stories. Um, but what Royce Lewis is doing right now should be capturing the imagination of Baseball Nation. I, I feel like it's it sort of is. I mean, look, the, the Twins are going to... You have to do a lot uh, in the AL Central <laughs> to capture the attention of the nation, yeah. other than being terrible. Yeah. That captures the attention yeah. of the nation pretty decently. Yeah, like uh, Spencer Steer for the Reds might have gotten hits in like seven straight at-bats yeah. or something. It was Crickets in yeah, El Central. That, that, nobody cares. <laughs> but I have seen a lot of talk about Lewis. I mean, the the problem is, if it's a problem, he's just not going to have enough playing time to really be in the mix for Rookie of the Year, which is what t- tends to get the attention yeah. this time of year. But, yeah, I mean, to hit three grand slams in eight games yeah. is insanity. And how about your tweet, ma'am? I mean, from, from like, last night or whatever. 11th Twins history in just 56 yeah. games or whatever. That was baffling. I mean, Harmon Killebrew who played, I don't know, 17 years for the Twins or something like that, mm-hmm. has 10 grand slams in a twin, in a Minnesota Twins uniform. And that's the most they've ever had in 60-something wow. years. He's already got, Bruce Lewis has already got four yeah. in 56 games, including three basically in a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he came up again with the bases loaded yesterday and just delivered a two-run single, and it's like, oh, what a bum. Only knocked in two <laughs> here. Couldn't hit over the fence again. I mean, yeah. what he's doing, and you see now, when he first came back, I mean, what he's doing, period, is incredible for a rookie. What he's doing for a rookie who missed essentially two full seasons with significant torn ACLs in the same knee, and just to jump back in, which he did last year, too, and then he retore his knee. But, 
he every time he misses 12 months, 15 months, whatever it is. And this time around, he missed a month plus with an oblique injury going back, you know, in the middle of this season. And he just jumps right back in and he's on fire every single time. I think he's been improved at third base to the point that you can certainly project that he'd be solid there at worst. He's starting to do a little bit of running because the speed's coming back a little bit. And the hitting ability is just incredible because even, I mean, he was the number one pick for a reason. He's got incredible talent. The the knee injuries put that in some question and probably cost him, you know, he probably would have been in the majors a year and a half earlier if not for the knee injury. But even when he was the number one pick and he was a consensus top 50 prospect before the, the blowing out the knee, the, 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 you know, scouting report on him wasn't, oh, he's going to hit 35 homers. The scouting report on him was, you know, he's kind of Jeter-esque. He's going to be a leader. He's going to be a good infielder. He's got some speed. He's going to hit line drives all over the field. And we've seen that, but we've also seen the ball just explodes off his bat yeah. in, in a way that we've seen it with Grand Slams. He's got a couple of three-run homers. I mean, he has bulked up a little bit, and that's, you know, partly why he's probably a better fit at, at third than short, regardless of Correa's status. Um, but he clearly has used the downtime of the last couple of years to work on his approach to hitting, even if physically he was limited in what he could do because of the knee. Uh, but I mean, he looks like an entirely different player than he was even going back three years, like in the at double A uh, single A, where you know he swung at a lot of pitches, he struck out a lot, he didn't walk much. Now he's starting to draw some walks. Yeah, strikeout rate is low. And when he makes contact, I mean, the ball just explodes off the bat. And mm-hmm. we see now he's batting third yep. for a team in the middle of a pennant race where they tried to work him back slowly. They had him like sixth or seventh right away. And after about two weeks, it was like, well, what are we doing? Yeah, this I, guy's just crushing it. Why don't we have him third? I'm really glad you went down that road because, like, Polanco's on fire right now. All right. But, man, he's about one of the streakiest twins I've seen yes. in doing this. I mean, when when he's hot, it's hide the women and children for a week and a half. He just kills it. When he gets cold, it's the same thing on the other side. Yes, we say in the press box that he has the worst swings for a great player ever. <laughs> right. Because when he swings and misses yeah. and he like spins himself into a hole yeah. in the ground like yeah. a cartoon character, right. you look and you go, well, that's a person who's never played <laughs> baseball before. Yeah. And then he comes up at his next at-bats and he rips well, a double down the right field line. And Kepler's timing is that of it gets bad, then he gets ripped publicly <laughs> yeah. in a newspaper story, yeah. online or something. And then he hits game-winning homers, and it's kind of like, shh, everybody just be quiet, okay? It's it's a long marathon. But what I'm getting at here is is Lewis is like, if you're looking for protection in, in the lineup, Polanco and Kepler are the bookenders, at least they were yesterday, and, and moving up to, to third uh, in, the, in, in the order, you know, that, that apparently will be the case more than it won't. So, like, for the L.A. Dodgers, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Hey, got a lot of nice things to say about Max Muncie or Will Smith or whatever. Yeah, it's pretty pretty tough having Freddie Freeman and so-and-so around you, stuff like that. That ain't the case for Royce Lewis, and he keeps doing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, they've really – it's an interesting line. I mean, they're sco- they are they got to be first or second in the league in runs scored since the All-Star break, especially after last night Yeah, in OPS, all this stuff. And this is a lineup – I mean, I came here every week during the first half saying, like, why can't they hit? Why wow. don't they hit? Well, you know, they're wasting all this good pitching. They score one run, two runs, three runs. They lose, you know, by a run or two every time. It's been a completely different story because the pitching has not been as good uh, in the second half, but the offense has stepped up to carry them. And if you look, you know, your point is a good one with Polanco and Kepler. If you look at who's been carrying this offense for the past, you know, 40 games since the All-Star break, basically, yeah, it's the three rookies, Lewis – 
Edward Julian and Matt Walner, yep. and then the two longest tenured twins on the entire roster, mm. which is Polanco and Kepler, both of whom were kind of left for dead. Like you said, were criticized, were on the IL, were dropped in the lineup, were made part-time players. There were questions about what would happen with them. They've been the two hottest veterans, and then all three rookies have just been phenomenal. And wow. Lewis has taken center stage now, but Ed Julian carried them for long stretches. Matt Walner has been fantastic for the last six weeks or so since they've actually given him a chance uh, you know, in the in left field mostly with Kepler and Wright, and yep. you look at that lineup, and it's like they're not even getting anything from Correa, and they're they've not gotten anything literally from Buxton for right. two months, and they may not down the stretch. Correa's your, been better the last two weeks. He's been better, but I mean, he's I don't know, he's he's batting fifth. He probably should be batting even lower than that. Mm-hmm. There's just so many times where they score runs, and you go, well, Correa wasn't even in the mix for that because yeah. the three rookies are driving the the driving this whole thing and. Polanco and Kepler have stepped up in a way that I certainly didn't expect. I mean, Polanco, I've said many times over the years, he is to me the most underrated twin of this sort of era, of the kind of post, I don't know, Mauer Morno era. What about Su Yoshi Nishioka? He's, he might be the well, he's properly rated. Yeah, I was going to say he's overrated. Well, he made the book, didn't he? Uh, yeah, the the ten thousand best twins of all time. He's <laughs> yeah. number nine 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 nine. Uh, yeah, Probably. there's a lot of uh, we take note of the weird jerseys that we spot in the crowd at Target Field a lot of the times. Yeah. And there is a disproportionate number of Siyoshi <laughs> Nishioka jerseys. Yeah. I think because it's a good bit to yeah. wear that around. Uh, and it's be- like, beats the Sharpers I sometimes see at US true, Bank yeah. Stadium. There's a few Vikings that you don't necessarily want to be wearing. Uh, from uh, from Aaron's story in The Athletic today, um, uh, or at least the most recent one I read, Michael Taylor and the swoon over his hammy. Uh, this uh, from the Gleeman piece at The Athletic, theathletic.com. Uh, quote Rocco Baldelli, uh, he's saved our baseball lives this year. Year by being able to go out there and patrol the outfield. He's done some really nice things offensively, too, that you're not banking when you bring him in. You're banking on his defense. You're banking on his base running. But he's given us more than we could even have asked for, end quote. I mean, it feels like a cross between Al Bumbry, <laughs> Mickey Rivers, and Ricky Henderson here. We're losing with this hamstring for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, they're hoping it's only going to be like a 10-day, two-week thing for Taylor. We'll see. He's been dealing with this for a little bit. He's been banged up for a lot of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they brought him in, they, they got him in January from the Royals in like a, a minor trade. The plan was he's going to split time with Buxton in center field, and if Buxton gets hurt again he can step into a bigger role. Well, that turned into, very quickly, coming out of spring training, Taylor's just the everyday center fielder. And he's played, I don't know, 100-plus games in center field. The defense has been zero drop-off from Buxton. And Buxton is amazing when healthy. Yeah, But Taylor is, you know, probably top five in the majors. He's made great catches. His arm has been good. That's what we do out there. The new guy, Stevenson, didn't even know he was on the team. He he made a nice catch against Texas. He can play D2. Kepler's always very good in, in right. And I think... You know, Walner is not at that level in left, but Walner also has an incredible arm that teams just aren't even testing him with because he's already thrown out some guys. And so Taylor stepped in. He's played great defense. He's done some good base stealing. He's bunted guys in from third a few times with squeeze plays. And then he's he's popped 20 homers at the bottom of the lineup. So yep. they definitely miss him. They're hoping that he's going to be back for the last week or or two of the regular season and, and into the postseason. In the meantime, you're going to see... What we saw last night, which is Willie Castro, who's back. He can play some center. You mentioned Andrew Stevenson, who was probably the Saints MVP, 29-year-old guy who used to play for the the Nationals as a backup. Right. He can go get it in center, and he stole 40 bases for the Saints. You're going to maybe see a little bit more of Joey Gallo. I'm I'm starting to think that we've reached the point where Joey Gallo's days on the yeah. on the roster are, what a are pretty numbered. 
Uh, he hit a homer last night. Yeah, off I know. the off the position player. I, I, I understand still, that. Yeah. I couldn't believe it when I saw in the age like who? Okay, who hit home runs here? You yeah. just go down to the middle-ish of the box score. My like, guy. Hey. Then you saw it was a position yes. player. Like, Come on now. I'm confident that if Joey Gallo could face exclusively position players, <laughs> he would have the highest home run rate <laughs> in the entire American League. Yeah, I mean, he's it, it. It's it's like you know when 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 the move was made. And you start thinking about players of his variety. Like, first one I thought of was, okay, maybe we're getting Rob Deere. We're not even getting Rob Vaughn. <laughs> I always love that one. Yeah. He's not even Rob Doe. I think basically what's keeping him on the roster is how long will it take Kirilov, who's currently rehabbing with yep. the Saints, uh, to come back. And that could be any time. I thought maybe they would activate Kirilov for last night's game. They're going to give him a little bit more time to get his shoulder right. Uh, at AAA, but he's homered a couple times in the last few games at AAA. I th- I just think, you know, there's no one else from a position player standpoint that you'd want to send down. Some, there's no one else who lacks a role because now even you need Stevenson in center, like we talked about. You need Luplo as a right-handed bat against lefties. What you don't really need, I mean, Gallo, they've tried to min- – Rocco Baldelli has very clearly tried to minimize his playing time. Because Baldelli's not the one who keeps him on the roster. That's the front office. And so it's become very obvious that Baldelli is trying to like limit the damage. You know, when he plays, he bats ninth. They remove him for a pinch hitter more often than not in the fifth inning. Even sometimes uh, in, in unfavorable matchups, he, when he's used off the bench, he's sort of the break glass in case of emergency guy yeah. comes in, he pinch runs or something like that. And he even made a couple mistakes doing that. And so my assumption is when Kirilov, who's a left-handed hitting first baseman, comes back, then you really, any sort of utility for Joey Gallo completely vanishes at that point. But I've been wrong about that before. I mean, I thought, I'm surprised he's lasted this long on the roster. I mean, there have been various points. I mean, he's hitting 140-something in his last 75 games. Uh, You take away the position player thing, and he has one hit basically in his last 30 at-bats. So I I don't really get it. And But the nice thing is they don't need him. I mean, they have plenty of left-handed power with Walner now stepping into that role they're hoping to get Kirilov back very soon, like I said. And, you know, guys like Julian have stepped up from the left side. And then Polanco and Kepler, both Polanco switch hitter, Kepler a left-handed hitter, have completely changed the middle of that lineup. It's more that they need right-handed guys to step up because they haven't gotten what they thought they were going to get from Correa. Mm-hmm. They've gotten almost nothing from Buxton, and they've gotten, like, literally nothing for Jose from Jose Miranda, who's probably not coming back. Wow. I so forgot it's the, it was on the squad. Right. It's the, it's the right side that's been lacking, but that really only matters in the playoffs if you're facing a lefty starter, mm-hmm. which it's not clear how often they'd have to do that anyway. Uh, five and fly with Aaron Gleeman, baseball writer for The Athletic, covers the Minnesota Twins at Aaron Gleeman to learn more and uh, wonderful subscription opportunities to save money right now at uh, The Athletic and TheAthletic.com. So we get Texas in the wild card round as it stands now. Seattle, Houston, and Texas all jumbled up in the right. AL West. Should that be the preference of the fans? Um, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of a no-hitting bunch right now. I know they put up six yesterday. Simeon's awful. He's been terrible for a month. I don't know what's up with him. But should that be the preference of the fans? The Rangers, granted, you'd get Scherzer, but um, right. but but what, what do you think? I mean... Just based on the fact that the Twins just went five and two against them in the span of a couple of weeks, yeah, they're probably not that scared of them. I think they've really—I mean, the Rangers were one of the best teams in baseball in the first half. Mm-hmm. They've really offensively slowed down completely in the second half. I, I don't I know. I think Seattle would be the right one. Yeah, well, I mean, low-scoring game. A few weeks ago, I thought, well, they probably would like to play Seattle or Toronto. Who Toronto is the one East team that could get into the mix there. Uh, yeah. 
It's probably going to be the third place team in the yep. West because, like you said, they're all jumbled up there. Yep. I wouldn't want to play Houston. I I'd mean, prefer I've, Toronto. I've seen the Houston story before in 2020 when they played a three-game series and got swept here by Houston. Yep. Uh, you know, Seattle, it's not as if Seattle has proven anything in the playoffs. This Texas team or Toronto haven't really put, So there's not that. I mean, that's yep. part of the thing with the Astros is yep. like they may not look great, but do you want to yep. face Altuve and no. Bregman and et cetera? Nope. So any well, of those. Well, that's when Pena and Abreu and right. McCormick, I mean, I mean, they all just take off in yes. the postseason. So I would like to avoid the Astros. Uh, after that, though, I mean, I think the Rangers looked very scary in the first half. I think the fact that they could have Scherzer in game one and yep. maybe Montgomery in game two as a lefty, and most of their bullpen are all Chapman, Will Smith, Brock Burke. Those are all lefties. So mm-hmm. that that's a they probably think that's an advantage against the Twins because, oh. like I said, the Twins' right-handed bats haven't hit, except the Twins have hit them plenty over yeah. the last two weeks. They got to Chapman. They got to Will Smith. Yep. They got to Burke. And so I would say that if you had to make the Twins pick, there aren't any like obvious great matchups because yeah. these are all decent teams and the Twins are not a great team. But yeah, I would I would say you either probably want to face the Rangers or the Blue Jays okay. right now. So Gals, how do you say his last name? Who? Gossman? Galsman? Gaussman. Gaussman. Yeah. Okay. Well, the Twins have killed him this year. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean past performances are indicative of postseason future results, but I'll take my chances. Uh, uh, Barrios, he gets killed once every two, three, four starts. You know, Jose Barrios. He, you know, Although that would be the max pain <laughs> if you lose game one to Gaussman and then you get knocked out by Barrios in yeah, game two. That right. is a very Twins-like thing to do. Man, it's like, you know, it's it's like the Rangers or like some of these teams, like the, the, the Padres would be with uh, Soto and Tatis and Machado and so on. They go punchless into the night for a full week against some of the worst pitchers you've ever seen. Yeah. Blue Jays do that too. I mean, Vlad Guerrero... You know, they're at they're at Coors Field and you got everybody taking off and hitting balls five hundred feet and he's striking out. I think he took off the last game. They're so in and out with their hitting and the twins against Galsman have had success. So yeah, that definitely would be my preference. I think yes, the twins went like five and two against Texas. I don't know that that in itself is all that predictive in terms of who you'd want to play. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the some of the guys who pitched in those games aren't gonna pitch in the playoffs and so on. But I think if you look at what the from a pitching standpoint for the Twins, they're very right-handed. They're not going to start a lefty in any playoff game. Keuchel's the only lefty yep. started on the roster. Their only lefty that they're going to use out of the bullpen in the playoffs is Caleb Theobar. So what you want from the Twins standpoint mm. is a matchup against the lineup that is very right-handed. Mm. And Toronto is extremely right-handed. Yeah, Seattle and Bichette's hurt. Yeah, and Bichette's hurt. They have a couple guys banged up, and Seattle is also extremely right-handed. Uh. So from that point. From the pitching standpoint, I think those are the probably the two teams you would want to face. From a offensive standpoint, you also want to face right-handed pitching. You know, I think all the teams except for Houston, because they have Framber Valdez at the top of the rotation, don't have that much scary left-handed starting pitching. Some of them have some scary relief pitching. But I mean, here's the the reality is the Twins are gonna have a best of three with all three at home if they win the division against one of these four teams that we've been talking about. And I'm going to assume that they will not be favored in that series, despite having, it might be a coin flip. It might be even money, Mm -hmm. but Toronto, Seattle, Houston, Texas, I think they would all be at worst, even money, even going on the road against the twins. So you do want a favorable matchup, but here's ultimately what needs to happen. The twins are going to start in some order, Pablo Lopez, Sonny Gray, and probably Joe Ryan, maybe Kenta Maeda. We've seen what the lineup has done in the second half. 
If they hit like they have in the second half and those three starting pitchers that they've worked so hard to build up their rotation and they've given up so many assets, including a rise, to, to make that happen, they're either going to come through or they're not. And I think matchups do matter, but ultimately you're going to be facing a similarly mediocre team. All these wildcard teams, they're going to end up with 86, 87 wins, something like that. The Twins are going to end up with 85 or 86 wins. We can talk about matchups, but... We've been talking about matchups for 20 years with the Twins in the playoffs. Either they come to play or they don't. If yeah. they come to play, yeah. there's absolutely no reason that they can't beat any of those four teams in a best of three at home. AL's wide open, man, when you got Baltimore, Seattle leading in the Twins leading yeah. divisions. Um, excellent, excellent contribution. Twins techie. Aaron Gleeman at Aaron Gleeman, the Athletic, theathletic.com. Chad, next week, all right? See you, Pia. NFL Network's uh, Jamie Erdahl, a Minnesotan. She'll join 9 to noon around the FAN, the fan. Jamie Erdahl, NFL Network. It's Paul Allen. What's life like in the big city these days, Jamie? It's, uh, you know, the last of summer here. The Jets and the Giants are starting to bark up a storm, but we're all getting ready for the whole NFL season. Uh, Jamie Erdahl, Minnesotan, Breck High School, and a host of the wildly popular Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Uh, I, I'd imagine you you especially, you're excited for the season. I mean, there's been a lot to talk about since uh, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Uh, but now, with, uh, with a game in a day and change, and then all the games this weekend, how excited are you right now? Oh, my gosh. We are so ready. PA, as you know, it's uh, the NFL and the network has done a good job of making football year-round, but... You know, June gets pretty dire out there sometimes with some segments that we try to do for three hours a day. So we uh, we don't have the gift uh, like you do of being able to pop in maybe sometimes on other sports. Uh, we do our best. But, yeah, when there's football to talk about, it's a much better gift than the other parts of the year. Well, that that's when you, Kyle, Peter, and or Jason, when one of you is not vacationing for two weeks. That that's when mm-hmm. you go, that's when you go down to the streets in New York and do the do the man or the person on the street thing like run in the street and yep. just play stickball with the fire hydrant with the water shooting out. I mean, you you guys just have a great time, don't you? We do. We start recreating the Minneapolis miracle and stuff like that, and use the voices from the calls and whatnot. And uh, we we uh, we have Dalvin Cook on the show sometimes. We like to spend our time doing that. Uh, but no, it's. Much, much better to have real live games to talk about. What um, uh, what do you think about the Lions at KC Thursday night? I, I just I wonder if the Lions are going to come out of the gate jittery. I hope not. It's such a compliment that the league put them in this position. I mean, that's a that's a non playoff team from last year being assigned the primetime window to go up against the Super Bowl champs a year ago this year, we were talking about the Bills traveling to L.A. and how that was going to be such a magical matchup. And what happened, the Bills went on the road, took their show on the road, and absolutely thumped the Rams. We know how that turned out for the Rams all last season. You know, I hope they're not jittery because I think the Chiefs can sense when a team goes into Arrowhead and they're jittery. It's such a compliment. I was talking to my father-in-law. He's a huge Lions fan. And he's like, he was stressed about them being as a part of the NFL kickoffs this season. And I said, why? It's so great. The Lions, such a compliment. He goes, yeah, until it isn't. Because it could be, it could be 41 to 7 easily. I really hope it's not. Chiefs are so good. But without Chris Jones, I mean, the Lions could take advantage of that. 
Uh, Jamie Erdahl, the host of uh, Good Morning Football, and um, via Twitter, at Jamie Erdahl, E-R-D-A-H-L, is how you can follow her like 9 to noon. And, um, you know, looking looking at your Twitter bio, uh, we have Good Morning Football, NFL Network, March Madness, CBS Sports, so on, mom, wife, and a candy lover. Now, uh, I'm a I'm a candy lover too. Uh do do uh but 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 I go I go in spurts. In other words, I will eat a lot of candy, a lot of pies mm-hmm. and a lot of cakes for about a month, month and a half and I'll put on 10 pounds. Now, I can't remember the last time I, I had one of those items maybe 2 months ago and I've lost like 9. So, I oh. you know, the weight fluctuation with the candy and stuff like that it's uh it's real what uh what what is your favorite candy or what are your favorite candies okay um th- that you explaining that you are a man of the people i appreciate you so relatable um but i'm i am not a chocolate person so i get down with any fruit based candy so mm. starburst skittles sour mm. patch kids really anything sour is like kind of tickles my fancy so i don't struggle with that as much as I do a cavity situation um <laughs> but I feel your pain my friend what what about what about the um the old school now and later uh it, it's oh, I, stuck in your teeth like right. oh my gosh well, like that, that's the that's problem like a, that's like a jolly rancher waiting to happen well that's the problem is are you a jolly rancher or are you a starburst I mean it, it's you, I am a no, not you. I'm a the, starburst. the candy. I mean, the candy needs to find its identity as to exactly what I know, it is. Because, I know. I can't remember the last time I had a now and later. Right. My gosh, that you're you're really dating yourself there. Well, you bite into it and it tries to break your teeth like a Jolly Rancher, <laughs> but then you get to the flavor and you're like, "Whoa, well, this thing's a little sticky." It's but like it's... a laffy taffy with an attitude. <laughs> now, with 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 Starburst, <laughs> do you find yourself? Um, you know, like like finding the strawberry ones and starting with those. Well, they kind of cheated the system because now they sell those Fava Red packages where they I... only give you the pinks and the reds from all the flavors. Ooh, ooh. I think that's cheating. People shouldn't have to do that. You got to buy your favorite mm-hmm. flavor package and deal with it. Mm-hmm. I do eat in order of flavor <laughs> preference. Um, I think this is how it might come out of the package. Mm-hmm. I go yellow, orange. Red, pink, pink is my favorite. Well, you got to get yeah, you got to get the yellow out of the way. It's the necessary evil. The, yeah, right. yeah, pros like us yeah. don't don't waste candy, but we also don't get excited right. for every single flavor. So I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what mm-hmm. uh, what's this the? This is not uh, what I was expecting to chat about, PA, but I'm 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 here for it. This is no. this is why Good Morning Football is a well rounded show. Is yeah. that I can hang with conversations like this. Well, if I have to go down the road of chocolate, which is not a preference of mine, that's probably going to yeah. be it's going to be a Charleston chew. Uh, I don't mind Charleston chews. Do you like them? Man, you dentists must love you. <laughs> uh, no doubt. Uh, let, let, let's uh, let's yeah. get, let's get to football to finish this. All right. Um, okay. uh, what's what's the Good Morning Football consensus on the 2023 Minnesota Vikings? It's funny you say that. We just uh, it's prediction week on Good Morning Football, and we just did our division winners today. The four of us. This is a high stress day for all of us. Um, and I almost fell off my chair earlier when Kyle Brandt did not have the Vikings in the postseason. What? TA. I, I, yes, this is a man who last season touted with his tucked in Kirk Cousins jersey that Cousins was going to be have an MVP candidate season. Kirk Cousins is his guy. Kyle, KB and Cousins are like peanut butter and jelly. Yet, Cousins, or yet Kyle Brandt out on the Vikings making the playoffs. I had him winning the division. I had the Lions also making the playoffs. 
I believe the three other guys either had him winning or in the playoffs in the least. No one else had him missing besides, and of course I'm talking about Peter Schrager and Jason McCourty. Mm-hmm. Not, um, no one else had him missing it the way KB did fully. I just couldn't believe it. I think the arrival of Brian Flores, we all know the defense had to get better. The offense was electric last year. It saved them in a lot of different situations and a lot of those post-win games. But I think Jason McCourty played for Brian Flores when he was with the Dolphins. Cannot say enough about how hard-hitting his defense is. There were a couple of preseason moments where you, uh, we were watching highlights, and McCourty's like, that's the Brian Flores defense. That's the Brian Flores defense. He, I think this is exactly what Minnesota needed. I just I just couldn't believe it. I'm, I'm still high on the Vikings. I think Kirk Cousins playing on you know this one-year deal that he seems to find himself in again is always an interesting prospect for Cousins. Um, but I'm, you know, I KOC and Quezzy, they got to know what they're doing. And we've seen it before with Cousins. I don't love it with the quarterback situation, but if he's playing with his back up against the wall, Cousins usually fares pretty well. Last one, we have a minute. Jamie Erdahl, host of um, NFL Network's Good Morning Football. Uh, what is it like out New New York, New Jersey way with Aaron Rodgers in town? It's it's a lot. It's front page of the post, back page of the post. It's what he's doing in his free time in the middle of the New York Post. Um, it's I, I, I feel like I can't escape the guy coming from Minnesota. I have enough of him when he's playing with the Packers. I go to New York, and then he's following us here. Um, I, but I've really enjoyed this version of Aaron Rodgers. He looks happy. He looks carefree. I'm glad he's back with Hackett. I'm happy for Nathaniel Hackett that he was able to bounce back after Denver last year. I'm thrilled for Dalvin Cook. I was really sad to see him go from the Vikings, but if Dalvin can be on a winning team and, and experience, you know, success elsewhere in the NFL, I'm thrilled for him as a young man. Um, but it's a lot of Jets, and the Giants are good too. But you know, people cannot deny the Jets being such a sexy storyline right now. Uh, you are fantastic. Awesome. 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 Thank you. Awesome work on Good Morning Football. Tell uh, Kyle, Peter, and Jason I say hello, and we'll talk soon. I will. Sounds good. Thanks, PA. See ya. Jamie Erdahl, NFL Network. AFAN, the fan. Well, the more and more they stay the same, it's just the ways and means become rearranged. What does that mean? That means football season is upon us. Uh, the the Pitten Report is back in play. And every Wednesday shows at Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center commence tomorrow. 9 to noon at TCOPC. Yeah, you know we. Uh, looking forward to that. Yeah. And and then the uh, the Vikings and the Buccaneers, uh, they're set to do battle this Sunday at noon. Extremely excited to call that one. 10 o'clock for the uh, pregame. And uh, the beat goes on. And uh, we are excited here to share said bits and uh, the overarching uh, views of, um, of said beat. Moving on. With hopefully something or things uh, that are of the different variety this year. If uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, please podcast uh, at least the open of the show uh, for what uh, what could be different for the 2023 Minnesota Vikings. Along with uh, Jenny Taft, uh, Minnesotan, Edina High School, Edina Go Crazy, sideline uh, reporter for Fox, Thursday for PJ's game, and then Saturday for Prime's game. So that, that, that girl's hidden and sticking right now. All, all of that's available at KFAN.com. Nordo produces. I'm Paul Allen. Talk to you tomorrow from the Vikings facility. Time to put a wrap on the show. 
And thanks to Casey's for bringing you the 9 to Noon Show raps. Casey's, of course, not only here for good, but 89-cent medium fountain frozen drinks available all summer long. Then you got the Thin Crust Pizza. Casey's Pizza is amazing already, but now with the signature Thin Crust, it gets even better. Casey's, here for good. Hallelujah! It's finally game week. Ride the ups and downs. Kirk calling his own sneaks from the casual fan of the VWO freaks. Pre-game feasts, wetting our dry beaks. Finding the rhythm and living the routine. Enjoying the highs, sometimes punches to the spleen. And evergreen positivity, spaces between. Childish quips that kind of border on obscene. It's been four years since I quit dipping. Howard rolls in, personal foul. Clipping, making sandwiches in studio. Rye stuff with pastrami. Loves the cold cuts as much as he hates commies, delicious from a kosher delicatessen. Cheers to fellow parents as we're currently confessing that while we don't intend to be crass or cruel, hot damn it feels good to get our kids back to school. Podcast today's Paul Allen Show. Or listen back to previous show and interviews by going to the iHeartRadio app or 